0: morning I want to share with you some words of scripture found in St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, reading from the fourth chapter beginning with the seventh verse. The Apostle Paul writes, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, But life is at work in you. And from these verses I lift up a portion of the 8th and ninth verse for your special consideration as the Apostle Paul says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. One of the modern playwrights, a man who is an existentialist by philosophy, has written a play entitled No Exit, in which he describes what he sees or what he feels to be the human situation. He chooses for his theme the idea that humankind is both individually and collectively Uh, doomed to a life of futility, despair, and oblivion. The title of his work, No Exit, aptly describes his feelings about our human situation. For he goes on throughout the play to say, there is simply no escaping a fate of doom and, and no hope that things will ever be different. The whole work is built around the idea that human, that, the, that human life, both individually and collectively, is built around a philosophy or an ideal in which there is no hope and from which there is no escape. The noted philosopher Bertrand Russell uh, has expressed something of the same thought and idea about the human situation in his philosophy as he says, the journey of humankind upon the earth is to end in ultimate future, uh, ultimate failure and futility. Everything which has been accomplished, he said, will be wiped out. He goes so far as to say even the prayers and the hopes of the whole human race cannot prevent and ultimate destruction. And in reality, this is the thought of people in every age, in every generation. You can look back across the pages of history and listen to some of the wisest and noblest souls who ever lived, and they inevitably look at the human situation and say to us in one way or another, we are headed to a a fate of futility, a fate of doom, a fate of despair. You may recall the words of the psalmist as he quoted individuals of his day who expressed something of the same thought and idea. And the psalmist, in summing up the thoughts of his own generation, said, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. And all too often, as we face the reality of our own experience, we come to something of the same conclusion and something of the same understanding. How many times have you looked at the unfolding pattern of your own life and asked in one way or another, where does it all lead? How many times have you come to those moments of life in which things are not going as you hoped they would go Things were not working out in the way in which you had hoped they would work. And you have looked at the seemingly endless uh, parade of destruction and despair and hopelessness and said in one way or another, this thing that I have come to know as life, those dreams with which I began the journey, the noble aspirations of my own soul, and the desires of my own heart seem to lead to nothing that is really good, nothing that is really valuable, nothing that is really worthwhile. We come to that moment of our life in which we look at those things that are happening to us, the situation in which we are involved, the situation in which our families are involved, and we look at things as they are, and we say to ourselves in one way or another, what more can happen than has already happened? What more can I suffer than I've already suffered? What more can come to me than has already come? There is something about the course of an individual's life which seems to be nothing more than folly and futility And there is no hope as far as we are concerned ourselves. In the last few days I've been reading the story of Jesus' disciples on the road to Emmaus. And you may recall those disciples as they left the city of Jerusalem on that first Easter Sunday or on that first Easter day. were filled with something of the same feelings that we possess within our own life and our own experience. They walked along with their heads hung low uh, facing the events that had taken place disturbed by the crucifixion of their Master and their Lord and our Savior. Uh, They remembered the things that he'd said and the things that he'd done but it seemed as though the sayings no longer applied and the acts no longer seemed to make much difference. As they walked along Jesus appeared to his disciples and he noticed the despair with which they made their journey. And he began to talk to them about the things that were taking place. And and what was the matter with them, he said, as he saw the despondency across their face. Those disciples looked at Jesus as we would have looked at him. And in their own way they said, what kind of a man are you? Where have you been all your life? Do you not know the things that have taken place? Have you not heard the things that have happened? How that our Lord was crucified? And describe the events of the crucifixion and the despair of the day. And they went so far as to say some of the ladies in our group have said he is no longer even to be found in the tomb where his body was laid. And the writer says that Jesus began to unfold to those disciples the message of the prophets, the words they had heard from his lips on other occasions. He began to describe the events of his life, the things that he had done and the things he was going to do in the future. And still, they did not understand the message of Christ or the hope that he brought or the inspiration he had in their moments of doubt and despair. And so like ourselves, these disciples walked along even in the presence of their master without any realization of what God had done or what God had said or the way in which he had revealed himself the life of his disciples. Now, as a result, we have only two choices. We can accept this kind of philosophy. We can throw up our hands in despair. We can lay down our lives in defeat. We can submit ourselves to the forces of evil and the difficulties of the world in which we live. And we can follow the advice of the playwright and say, for us, there is no exit. There is no hope. There is no future. Or we can listen to the message of Christ and the Christian faith and we can adopt for ourselves the note of triumph with which the Apostle Paul shares the truth of Christ and of Christianity. And we can press on toward the future in spite of what we feel at the moment in spite of what maybe we even believe within the deep recesses of our own soul. We can follow the admonition of the playwright and throw up our hands in defeat, or we can accept the words of the apostle as he said, even though we are troubled on every side, we're not distressed. Even though we are perplexed about the things that are happening and the conditions of life and the world in which we live, we're not in despair. Even though we may be persecuted as a result of the direction in which we have chosen to go, even though we may be persecuted from within, and by some of the thoughts of our mind, we're not forsaken. Even though we are cast down, and I'm sure that multitudes of people in our world today and many under the sound of the voice are downcast as a result of the things that are taking place. But we're not destroyed. For you see, uh, the, the whole emphasis of the message of Christ and of the Christian faith is a message of victory. Victory the whole emphasis of Jesus' life and the whole direction he gave and everything he did and said was to bring hope to the human heart and remind us of the infinite wisdom of God and God's understanding of the human situation and his willingness to be involved with us in the personal affairs of our own life. You may recall three of the most beloved parables of Jesus' ministry describe the message of our faith in a most perfect sort of way and give to us a sense of direction, a sense of inspiration that comes from no other source. You remember Jesus told three parables. One he began by talking about a woman who had lost a coin. She only had 10 coins with which to meet her obligations. Only 10 coins by which she could provide for the needs of her family. Only 10 coins with which she could make ends meet and do the things that needed to be done. And Jesus said she lost one. Only nine were left. Maybe they were small, maybe they were minor. But nevertheless, it was all she had. And Jesus said, the lady began immediately to search the corners of the house, to sweep the floor, to look in every direction in which she could look in order to find the coin that was lost. And she searched the house over until she found the coin that was lost. And when she found it, She ran next door to her neighbors and up and down the street she went saying rejoice with me for I have found that which was lost. And Jesus said there is joy in the presence of God over one sinner who repents of his sins and returns to God from which he came. One sinner, Jesus said, in repentance brings joy to the very heart and soul of God himself. He told another story about a shepherd who had been out on the hillside all day with his sheep. That night he came with the sheep into the sheepfold to uh, bring them securely from the animals and the rough and the wilds. And as the sheep made their way into the sheepfold, he counted them one by one. He started out with a hundred. He came in with ninety and nine. It would have been so easy for the shepherd to have said, that's all right. I didn't lose but one, and it was only a little lamb. The lamb really doesn't mean a great deal to the master. We can get along without him, the shepherd could have said. But Jesus said instead, The shepherd took the ninety and nine and secured the gate and he began his journey back across the steps of the day looking in the high grass and over the rocks and over the hills searching with all of his might and all of his power until he had found the sheep that had gone astray. Never giving up, never letting go, never losing sight of the fact that that one sheep Small though it was, insignificant though it might have been, was still a part of the trust and charge which had been laid before him and to which he was obliged for the master. Somehow Jesus seemed to imply in the words of the parable that this is the feeling of God as he deals with the needs of the human heart and the human situation. And those times in which we feel ourselves on the mountainsides. those times in which we are clinging uh, almost hopelessly to nothing more than a hanging vine if you will. We're never away from the heart of God. We're never lost from His sight and never forgotten and never forsaken when he begins to look at the world and, and it seems to be moving in a fine direction and everything seems to be all right and life seems to be going all well as far as our friends and neighbors are concerned, God understands the problems with which we're faced. He understands the difficulty of our situation. And when we walk through the valleys of the shadows of life, God is there with us to provide the strength we need and to lift us in his arms and hold us close to his chest and say, you are of value. You are of meaning. Life is worthwhile. Then he told perhaps the most beautiful story that's ever been told, a story that is almost impossible for one to repeat without tears in his eyes and feelings in his heart. He told about them. A son. A young man who had started out on his own. A young man who had everything the world could ask or the world could desire. The half of his father's goods. He had it all. The world was at his doorsteps, And he could go out and he could do anything he wanted to do. Be anything he wanted to be. And Jesus said he wasted his life and his substance in riotous living. And we have come to call the story, the prodigal son, but the truth of the story is not found in the words the prodigal son. The truth of the message is the waiting father. For day after day, month after month, even year after year, I suspect, That father would walk down the path to the road and look both to the right and to the left in the far distance, as far as he could see, in hopes that one day, the son would come back. One day, he saw him. And the father didn't wait for the boy to confess his sins. He didn't wait for the son to apologize for what he'd done and what he hadn't done. He didn't wait for the boy to say, no longer am I worthy to be called your son, make me as one of your hired servants. Oh no, he ran to meet him. And he threw a robe on his back and he put a ring on his finger and he put shoes on his feet and he said to his servants, Kill the fatted calf, for we're going to have a feast. This, my son who was dead, is alive again. This, my boy that was lost, is found. And I want the whole world to come and rejoice with me over the experience that I'm about to share. And Jesus said, this is the message of our faith. This is the truth of God's love. These are the promises on which we can build our life and from which we can receive our strength and our hope. This is the truth of Christianity and the Christian faith. The wise and learned may look at life and say there is no exit. They may look at us and say that the world will end in ultimate failure and futility. But you and I can look at the message of Christ and the message of the resurrection and we can say to ourselves, we have discovered the note of triumph and victory for we have found God's love and God's redemption and we know, regardless of what we may face, we ignore know in spite of the defeats we may be seeming to face at the moment, there is victory. There is triumph. There is hope. There is God waiting to relieve us the burdens of ourself and bestow upon us the rights of the family, the privileges that it has and the possibilities that are open to us as a result of what God has done for us. Is it any wonder then that Saul of Tarsus after his experience uh, on the road could look at life and say we are troubled. Nobody denies the troubles of life yet we're not distressed. We are perplexed. Nobody denies the difficulty we have in understanding things that that are going on within our world. We read the papers, we see the television. Certainly we have questions and yet we're not in despair We may be persecuted, but we are not forsaken. There may be times in which we are downcast, even as the disciples on the Emmaus Road were cast down. Thank God we're not destroyed. Because one day, God took the forces of evil and engaged them in hand-to-hand combat. And even though it required the life of his son, he brought the message of hope in the resurrection and the victory on which we can build today, tomorrow, and forever and forever. Thank you, O oh God, for the way in which you have met the needs of our life and the promises you have made and the hope with which you have endowed the human heart with the presence of our Savior Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen.